In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. For glory is not, uh, glorying is not good. Know ye not that the little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as the, ye are the unleavened. For even Christ over the Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity of the truth. And I wrote to you in an epistle, not, in the company with, not to accompany with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or of the, with the covetous, or the extortioners, or the idolaters, or not even those to be, he needs to go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or drunkard or extortioner with which no one to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you judge them that are within? But them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from you amongst yourselves that wicked person. So, over the past couple chapters, we've dealt with divisions and what it means to be a slave and the things that we are to do in the Lord's service. Um, and we know particularly this is addressing the church at Corinth, but he begins to delve into a different matter entirely. Um, it was one that was not unknown. He says it is, form- it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Such fornication is not so much as to be named among the Gentiles that you should have his father's wife. So apparently one of their members had taken his father's wife, which, you know, we know according to Scripture that um, that this was an ex- unacceptable act. Uh, Leviticus chapter eight, which we, 18, which we won't turn over there, but it talks about inappropriate relationships. And it mentions fathers and husbands and sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles. It goes through a list, a laundry list of things not to partake in in terms of inappropriate relationships. But we won't spend much time on that, um, but particularly focusing on the problem at hand. So it seems that the church there, it says there, and ye are puffed up that ye have, uh, have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from amongst you. Well, what was the problem? He had an inappropriate relationship and, it, and the church hadn't addressed it in the way that they should. Instead, they'd become arrogant in, their, in the way they handled things. Of course, we see that from the first couple chapters in handling those divisions amongst themselves. They were arguing and fighting amongst themselves and how, who, who they would follow and who was from whom, and uh, that wasn't the point. The point was that we are servants in Christ. But the point here he's getting at is that they've neglected to follow this, this, this member in church discipline. He says, of putting them amongst, from amongst you, taken away from amongst you, rather, some translations it says put away from you. So it says, For verily I say, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done, so done this deed. That word, <clears throat> I've already judged, if you look, if when in looking at that, it seemed to be I've determined. So he's determined already. Um, according to what? Well, it's, we know it's according to Scripture. He says, as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. And he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are gathered, ye are gathered together 
and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Why do you think it was important for, for him to do such a thing? Well, it, it as he goes on down there further, he talks about the leaven. It, it, it defiles the whole group. And if we continue to allow such things, then it, it again, it makes us leaven. And we, aren't we supposed to be unleavened? We're supposed to be undefiled by the world? That's the point of the scripture was that it wasn't that they wanted to see this brother completely destroyed, but they wanted him to, to, to stand in judgment for what he had done. Doesn't mean that they want him to die, but he says there, if he's not repentant, he says, I've delivered such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. What spirit? Well, the spirit dwells in the church, doesn't it? It is. So if it's corrupted, then how can a spirit maintain its presence there? <clears throat> he says there, purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Those things were difficult for them there to, to do. It was part of their body. It was He was another fellow member. He was someone they, they knew. It was difficult he says you have to remove them from their midst, basically, because it's going to corrupt you. And it says there, so as that you may be a new lump, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Hmm. Something that's hard for us to contemplate, doing things like this in the Lord's work. But nonetheless, it does happen. We know according to the letters here that are written, and you go over to 2 Corinthians, that the church did do something about it. And guess what? He came back. And Paul was overjoyed. I know we've talked about this several times in, in, in messages over the past couple months. But sometimes those things which are hard to do, we have to do them. I thank the Lord that we don't have, we don't have anything like that going on in our midst. That, that would be a hard thing to handle. But nonetheless, he goes on here. He says, I wrote to you an epistle, not, of the, not to accompany with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then, then they must go needs, then must ye needs go out to the, of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or adulterer or railer or drunkard or extortioner with such one, you're not to eat. What does it mean there? Well, typically when we partake food with someone, we're fellowshipping with them. That's not an uncommon concept for us. When you invite, when we invite somebody over to have a meal with us or things like that, we have conversation, we talk, we find things that we agree on. Those things are not uncommon for us. But he said, if these people continue to have these problems, he's, fornicators, covetous, idolaters, railers, or drunkards. Those things we aren't to have fellowship with. It says, for what have I to do, with, uh, do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge them that are within? 
but them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from amongst yourself that wicked person. So, it doesn't have anything to do with those that are without, but those that are within. Why do you think that was so important? We are the example to the rest of the world. And if those things are in our midst, how can we, how can we be the example that the world is supposed to have in us for being ambassadors for Christ? It would cause quite a bit of problems for us. But it's not for the purpose of us setting ourselves higher than them. Because at some time or, or at some point in time, many of us have struggled with some of these issues. I know, I've known of several brothers and sisters back home in Arkansas that struggle with alcohol, that struggle with different problems. But that was in a former life when they come. But it doesn't mean that we held that over their heads or reminded them daily, but we just helped them along. So the purpose here is that these things do exist. And they are difficult to handle. But Paul is trying to get them to see here that take heart and to continue to take care of these things, which is part of the church's business. Because without discipline, as we discipline like our children, how do we get them to do the right thing? We administer discipline. We explain to them the difference in our actions and how we should handle, handle ourselves in this world. That's the important thing that he was trying to get across here. So he says, but them, <clears throat> excuse me, but verse six of chap, uh, verse one of chapter six, it says, dare any of you have any matter against one another? Go to the law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge uh, judge angels and how much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are at least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It is so that there is no, not a wise man among you, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brothers goes before the law with brethren and that before the unbelievers. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to the law one with another. Why do you do not rather that wrong? Why do you do not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brother. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers, nor any of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I'll stop there. So, seems not only according to the, that there was this problem of fornication in the church, but it also seemed like there were some that were going to the law to take care of matters that should have been handled amongst each other. I don't know about any of y'all, but I've never seen something like that happen. Um, 
I do know of such an instance that happened in Arkansas at Traskwood many, many years ago when the church split. They, they sued over the church, basically. They wanted the church property, the name, the things of that nature, and it went to the Supreme Court of Arkansas. And as a result, the church that's still there that we still fellowship with um, had to take a different name and they had to move, they had to build a new building and establish a different property. The state ruled in favor of the association that they were a part of at that time. And it was quite grievous. It was quite scandalous. Um, but they took it to the courts and it drug the name of the church right through the mud. And many of them to this day, they still talk about that and how difficult that was. Well, it's the same thing. How can, how it affects our our witness and our example before those that we deal with in the community. He says there, don't take these matters before the law, but yet these people, they were, they were going to the law to settle issues. He says, know ye not that we shall judge angels. How much more things that pertain to this life. If then ye are, have judges of things pertaining to this life, set them to the judges who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. It, is, it, is it so that there is not a wise man among you, none, not one, that shall be able to judge between his brethren? I don't know about y'all, but if there was an issue between a brother and I, there's certainly no way I would feel that it would be necessary to take it to the law. If it's that big of a contention, let them have it. I I would rather I would rather them have what they have than than slander a brother or cause them to stumble or cause anyone else to stumble. It's just not part of how we are as the people of the Lord. That's what so interests me about this book. There were such personal things going on here that we can understand and relate to in the, in the assembly that we deal with today. Not that we have those problems here, but these problems were relate, are relatable to us. They're meant for us to know so that we can discern when these things do occur. Paul's encouragement here was that they see through these things and that they take heart and do these things in the assembly, not amongst the community, that we're trying to be a witness and an example too. He says there, but brethren goeth to the law with, bre uh, with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to the law with one another. Why do ye not rather take wrong, and why do ye rather not suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay ye do, and defraud that your, bre uh, that your brethren. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of, of God? Be not deceived. And then he goes on. Neither adulterers nor fornicators nor adulterers nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind nor thieves or covetous drunkards, revelers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But then in verse 11 he says, And such were some of you, but ye were washed and yet sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So he's like, None of these people are going to inherit the kingdom of God, so why are you taking your matters before them? 
take care of it amongst yourselves. I don't think the Lord Jesus would have taken anything to the courts, don't you? Even though his brothers and his fellow countrymen sought to kill him, he didn't he didn't seek any punishment towards them, did he? Although they did deliver him to a magistrate who said, What? I find no guilt in this man. He says, You deal with him how you see fit. So we have that example, the example of Christ there. Nevertheless, let's continue on here. We'll read a little further. Verse 12, it says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and bellies for meat, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall then I ta- then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that which ye is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication and every sin that man doeth without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in, which is in you, and which ye are have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are, God, are God's. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture talking about the church here. The same thing. Many people will say that that our body, our physical body, is the temple. Um, But it's the group of believers that's the body of Christ. Scripture pretty much teaches that without exception. But it doesn't mean that we should treat our bodies any less different than if it were our physical body serving the Lord. But he says there, know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make this a member of a harlot? God forbid. Well, we're joined to the Lord. It's like marriage. We've used that example many times. We are joined to the Lord. We are not ourselves, but we are one flesh. We're one, one, one body. He says there, so what's the issue? He says, what then? Know ye not that which is joined to a harlot is one body for two shall be one flesh, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin of the man doeth this without his body, but he that committeth the fornication sinneth against his own body. So those things that we have, those fornications, he says, we're not to have those amongst ourselves. We're to separate ourselves for serving the Lord. Because why? We're joined with the Lord. We're a new creation in Christ. But then he goes on there in verse 19. What? 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, and which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You mean I'm not my own? No. We're Christ. We belong to the Lord. We need to remember and, and focus on that. We talked about it the two Sundays ago at night in Colossians chapter 3. It says what? Keep your eye focused on, on the things above and not the things of this earth. Wow. If we've committed ourselves to serving the Lord and we go back out and do those things again, what, what, what did it profit us to be baptized and become part of the church and to serve the Lord? That's the point he's trying to get and understand. Get rid of those things. They're not, they're not of use to you. Again, it keeps coming up. I mentioned Achan. The reason why Israel fell, lost 36 men at AI was because Achan took something under the ban and he hid it. What happened? They lost the battle. And as a result, the Lord said, there's, there's some things amongst you that's not good. So he called them forward by tribe and then by house until finally it came to the household of Achan. And what happened? Achan as an entire house were put to death because they had trespassed what the Lord's covenant had said for them. They had committed fornication and idolatry. So the same here. We've set ourselves apart for serving the Lord. We are to do those things. There isn't an exception. Our body's not our own. He says there, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's the purpose that we come together. We encourage one another. We strengthen and uplift one another so that these things don't happen. Not to say that they don't happen, but maybe we might help someone overcome their fault through the Lord's guidance and understanding. But the purpose of us is to put off that old life, the immorality and the adultery and the things that they suffer in this world. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and it's the only other place I'll turn and then we'll come to a close. <clears throat> it says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even it is as it is with you and that ye may be, be delivered from unreasonable and, and wicked men for all men have not, not faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother who walketh disorderly, and on after the traditions which is received of us. For yourselves know 
how ye ought to follow us, for we have behaved not ourselves disorderly amongst you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, or wroth any labor, nor travail in night and day, that we might not do, uh, not be chargeable to any of you. But not because we have not power, but make ourselves an ensample unto those that follow us. For even when you were with you, we were with you. This we commanded you that if you would not work, neither should you eat. For we hear that there are some among you that are disorderly, working not as all, but as busybodies. And now them that are such as we command and exhort the Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. That ye, brethren, be not weary in doing well. And if any man obey not your word by the epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, and by all means the Lord be with you all. Salutation of Paul, mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write, that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be to you with all you. Amen. So he goes on here and says the final thing in the final closing there in a letter to the church at Thessalonica. What does he say? Don't get tired of doing the things which you're supposed to do. Take faith. He says, he says and we, that we may be delivered from reasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful and who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Same thing in, sec, in Colossians chapter 3, keeping our eye focused on the Lord and not on things of this earth. The Lord will deliver us from those things as we keep our eyes fixed and focused on Him. And it'll help us identify and, and see the problems that we face that we might aid one another in addressing those problems when they do arise or if they do arise. And he says there, and we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Amen. I hope that as we go throughout our week, we can contemplate these things and think, think on the goodness that the Lord provides for us as we maintain our focus on him. That those things which he mentioned over in Corinthians chapter 5 might not be named among us. As it was befitting the servant of the Lord. Because Paul's intention there wasn't to beat him up or to get on to him for those things. It was to encourage them that they might continue to serve the Lord and be obedient in Christ. I hope this message has been good for you this morning and encouraging. Um.